Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In this ad for the Mobile One brand, I have 30 seconds to remind you about your first time driving. Remember the feeling, the freedom, how the world felt bigger and smaller at the same time? Because you were in the driver's seat. The truth is driving never changed. You did. You got a job, a phone, and then a phone that was also a computer with emails that could find you anywhere, and then you were trapped. But here's the good news. It's never too late to break free. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us slash radio to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. As a dad, I worry about the health of my kids, like most parents, grandparents, anybody that's surrounded by young people. We see them on their phones, semi-addicted to screens, but I do believe that connection to what's going on outside the back door holds the key to better mental, physical health, and it could even improve the diet of the next generation. Hello, I'm Adam Frost, and today I'm talking to Matt Wheeler, founder of The Papillon Project, charity that works with secondary schools and pupil referral units to increase environmental awareness key part of Matt's work is working with schools, creating allotments, encouraging healthy eating, so he knows firsthand the positive effect that gardening can have on our children. Matt, hello, lovely to meet you. Very nice to meet you too, um, Adam. We're going to talk about kids today. Fantastic. Obviously, I'm a father of four, though some of them are a lot older. I've still got a 15-year-old. Um I'm probably going to realise by the end of our conversation how wrong I've actually gone. But but before we get stuck into that sort of, you know, healthy kids and gardens and, and how we can, you know, create them out of the gardens in a sense, you know, how have you worked with young people? And, you know, I know you've set up some projects. Tell me a little bit about yourself and maybe also how you got into it. You know, and why you want to work with kids, because yeah. that would. Yeah, that would be helpful. <laughs> would. That would be really helpful. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, 
for me, Adam, it started when I was a secondary school teacher. So I certainly looked a lot more smarter than I do now. Because you're, I mean, I'm, in front, I'm just so people understand. I mean, I'm sat in front of a fella that's come down from Norfolk. He looks cool. He looks like he's just come off the beach, I'll be honest with you. You know, he's, he's sweat back hair. He could be a surfer. He's got really good looking, chiseled looks. You know, I'm just setting the tone, mate. All right. Yeah. So obviously when you left school yeah. as a teacher, they were quite upset, I'm presuming. Probably a... <laughs> Very much so, yeah. yeah, yeah, very much so, yeah. yeah. And uh, as I said, I had a very nice uh, pair of trousers then and my hair was neatly put together. Yeah. And then I sort of became a teacher. And then it was really that opportunity, Adam, that I thought, look, I really enjoy working with other people's children in the classroom, but I thought there's got to be something else for the children to enjoy as part of their secondary school experience. So I decided to embark a little bit naively, if I'm honest, on creating an allotment at the secondary school, which I worked at in rural Norfolk. Um, and again, I came at it with a basic understanding of how you grow food. I had an allotment in, in Norwich for a couple of years, um, certainly learning from other people who had a lot more experience than me. Anyway, so I, I took that experience and it was a really good one with me into teaching. So after completing my my teacher training year, my sort of probational year, yeah. uh, I then really enjoyed, you know, teaching history, which is what I was employed to do. But then I thought, right, let, let's get the children outside. Let's get the young people outside. And being very mindful of the world that we live in. Um, so in February 2015, with a couple of sixth formers, we embarked on creating an allotment at the back of the school playing field from old bits of wood, pallets. So actually, you were doing this with secondary school kids? Very much so, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Wow. And to come to that, Adam, actually, that I know that in primary schools they tend to do school gardening yeah. pretty well, actually. But I know from certainly what I've seen in Norfolk, and, you know, my, my dad is a retired teacher now, but there really is a clear absence of school gardening with teenagers at secondary level and you know there's lots of reasons why that happens but I think secondary schools are really really busy places which I'm certainly keen to talk about in a moment because I do think that impacts the well-being of children. So that project that I set up at the high school we worked in it for two or three years um, we worked really hard to sort of uh, Gave up uh, every Saturday for about two years and I was sort of newly married just then. So fortunately, wow. I'm sort of still married to the same person who's incredibly tolerant. tolerant yeah. Very, very tolerant, especially with my sort of lack of a haircut for a while, that sort no. of thing. And the fact you've only got two pairs of trousers. Well, exactly, exactly, I mean, it's yeah, exactly. You know? very, very and just so yeah. everybody knows, we've only got the second best pair of trousers today, haven't we? Because she That's didn't right. trust you to come to London with That's the best pair of That's right. Exactly, yeah, exactly. right. Exactly right, Adam. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that project, started, um, as I said, with a really small number of young people, yeah. teenagers. So actually they were just starting their A-levels. And just with a huge amount of enthusiasm, we just built this school allotment virtually from nothing, using wow. upcycled materials, yeah. pallets, baths. I think someone donated a toilet, so we thought that would be hilarious to grow some potatoes out of that. Um, and then once it took shape, once it started physically growing, that's when more young people started to think, hang on a second, there's something happening over in the bottom of that playing field, what's going on? So once something physically took shape, that drew in a lot more interest with the school. Yeah. And the key year came in 2018 when 
the project started to win some local awards, I thought, hang on a second, you know, this this is, you know, fantastic. Yeah. You know, and what I mean by that, Adam, is it was fantastic for the young people. Yeah. This wasn't my project, it's their project. Yeah. I was merely facilitating the project for them. Um, and then in 2018, Adam, I myself was surreptitiously nominated for the RHS School Gardening Champion of the Year Awards, um, which I had no idea I was being nominated for, I can assure you. Um, So parents, members of the community and some of the staff and the students nominated me for that. And that really, I think, Adam, was the the catalyst, which then kind of gave me the confidence to leave full-time teaching if I'm honest, a little bit naively, and I'll come to that in a second. Um, But that really gave me the confidence to go off and try and help other secondary schools in the county of Norfolk. So in many respects, the first project, which started off at Reefham High School in, in, in North Norfolk, in many respects was the accidental pilot project that created the charity, which, you know, I'm really keen to talk about later. Um, So that really in a long way around, sort of hopefully answers how I first started working with young people and gardening. And gardening. Yeah, and yeah. I never thought I'd get to this stage, no. to be honest. And, <laughs> so. it, and, it, and it's fascinating, isn't it? Because I think sometimes we, I think people presume that, you know, inner cities, um, uh, you maybe struggle a little bit more trying to get, you know, kids into gardening. But once we get out of the countryside, there's a bigger connection with, the local but actually that's not always the case is it it's certainly not all the case and i think it's this big picture of young people living in a world where there's endless connection to the internet you know smartphones i think young people find it difficult to disconnect from that sometimes and i think certainly in the schools that i've worked at across the county even the ones in the city and certainly the ones in the countryside there is still a general lack of understanding of kind of where our, where our food comes from and how long it takes to grow. And a classic one which I came across so many times was about how potatoes grow. And, you know, children with a with a bit of understanding thought, right, well, I, you know, I think I put it in the ground, it grows a bit bigger, and then I pull up and that's one potato yeah. for you. So, yeah. And through no fault of their own, the children seem to not have a general understanding of where their food comes from or, or at least also how long it takes to grow. Yeah, food. and and that moment, just that sort of idea that that you 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 get hold of a youngster that, that's not got that that knowledge. What changes in that person to the moment that they actually do dig up all these little bits of gold and realise it's changed into something else? What what changes in them? I think that is one of the best things I have seen with what I do is pulling up potatoes or harvesting the produce, especially this time of year, you can just see in the eyes of the children absolute astonishment that that has happened in the soil. And often in silence, they would just like take a bit of a gasp and think, oh my goodness, I had no idea that was taking place. Um, And as you described, Adam, it is literally like pulling up little bits of gold uh, from the soil and it just blows children's minds. Absolutely. And that is such a privilege to be there with the young people when they are doing that. Yeah, I am still I'm still that little boy I, in September. Yeah, yeah. How many have I got? Yeah. How big are they yeah, gonna be? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. still yeah. doing it. So yeah. so actually I, I mean I've worked with I should be fair, I've I've done a lot of work with with you know disadvantaged kids. So over the years at one point I had um, well apparently some of the some of the worst kids out of out of Manchester and 
And ultimately, these youngsters have been more or less written off hmm. before I even got to engage them in a gardening. So, and that first part of engaging them in a garden was was difficult. You know, giving mind you, giving these kids secateurs and and you know things like that was not going to really be the most sensible idea. But I did, and and I engaged them, I suppose, by not talking to them as kids. I started to sort of talk to them about this is how we're working together and we changed it out of a school day into we had a tea break like you do at work, we had lunch like you do at work. We, how did you sort of engage the children in that process of, of creating a garden? Because I know, I know that primary school kids are fine, secondary school kids as cool as you look, you're still not that cool to them in you know in yeah. that world yeah. of gardening. Yeah. You know, you yeah. sort of how did you how did you sort of challenge do that? I kind of believe there's just a very correct way that you speak to young people, yeah. and I think for me that started when I was in the classroom. Certainly, when I was employed as a teacher. So I think ultimately why I came into all of this is to help young people feel confident, and I believe there's a way of communicating with young people that they feel that you know you're not a threat, you're not there to catch them up you're not there to criticize them um so i think working with young people and ultimately making them feel that this is their project this is something that they are part of creating um and if, as soon as you instill that in young people and start to give them a degree of ownership with their project, then they start to really flourish. And I think ultimately it comes down to them feeling good and confident about, about themselves. So that's certainly kind of my way of working with young people myself. And it might not necessarily work for others, but no. I know that treating young people with the greatest respect as soon as you meet them um, helps you to engage Working with them. With them, right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? When you look at the, I suppose, you know, education. I mean, you know, I'm, I was a dyslexic kid from a, you know, sort of council background type thing and, and I disengaged with school. And actually young people gardening, it's still even talked at times now and you're going to know exactly what I'm going to say. You know, I've been sat there in in a sort of educational sort of thing and talk about, well, gardening, yeah, but that's sort of, that's more for naughty kids like me or or even though I've even heard the word special needs, you know, and, and which seems bizarre because I feel that actually what you can teach in a garden is a bit mind-blowing. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. In fact, when we created the the original project, although, yes, I was kind of making it up as we go along. Yeah. But I was certainly very, very clear with what I was trying to achieve with the young people. And that was, and, and, and indeed the school, that this is a facility for the whole school to use. And that's why it was originally set up, not for the naughty children who don't want to yeah. sit in the classroom. Yeah, they can be part of that. Yeah. But it's very important, certainly with what we're now doing as a charity, is we're trying to encourage schools, look, you know, this school allotment, this school garden, is not just for a select you children. This is a learning facility like any other learning facility in the school. This is an outdoor classroom. It's a classroom like any other facility in the school, from your gymnasium to your music department. That's what we're trying to encourage secondary school, certainly in Norfolk, to think a little bit more differently about these growing spaces. Do you know what? That's fascinating because obviously a lot of the other podcasts, we, we are talking about different aspects of health, but that idea of 
facility. And I think when we talk about gardening a lot of the times, we just think about the process of doing it, not the garden that we're in. So you're saying again, you know, that garden that we're in is what it's about. And then we go there, we use it. Yeah, some of us garden, some of us don't. But actually, it's what we get out of that space. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And uh, I think it's certainly at the original project, Adam, we, you know, by doing lots of very enthusiastic assemblies, we instructed the children that, you know, just come along, have a sit down, have your sandwiches. But also, if you're interested in, you know, thinking about the planet, it's a great opportunity to learn food. So to learn how to grow food in schools. And I just think that it's very important that schools open these spaces up for yeah. all of the young people to use yeah. in multiple different ways. Yeah, and a lot of spaces, I know, you know, some inner, inner city schools haven't got the space, but there's an awful lot of schools that have got a little bit of space that yeah. they commit to a Absolutely, to yeah. yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, you know, like a football pitch size. No. It could be anything. It can really be. And I think certainly for me, Adam, what, ultimately I'm trying to do with what we're now doing as a charity and certainly what I was doing when I was a teacher is trying to create that all-important good experience yeah. that's the single most important thing which is most that we've just got to get right you know yeah, and it doesn't yeah. matter if you know little Jimmy you know makes a raised bed that's a bit wonky you know does it really matter of course it doesn't what matters is that little Jimmy made it and he went home thinking yeah fantastic I was celebrated for doing that today does it matter that you know the the, the carrots are all the seeds are planted so close together and that they forget to thin them out what matters at that stage of gardening certainly from what I've seen is you've just got to create that fun engaging that all-round good experience because that's what the children will remember and I I, I know that from being at school myself yeah. uh, you know I wasn't certainly the most brightest academically but I just loved the subjects because of the teacher because of the adult who was teaching me and I know that with anything in life if children have a good adult to influence them that's part of the good experience and I just think if children grow up having had that good experience they'll be far more inclined and engaged grow food as an adult so ebay motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly brake kits led headlights bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In this ad for the Mobile One brand, I have 30 seconds to remind you about your first time driving. Remember the feeling? The freedom? How the world felt bigger and smaller at the same time? Because you were in the driver's seat. The truth is, driving never changed. You did. You got a job, a phone, and then a phone that was also a computer with emails that could find you anywhere. And then you were trapped. But here's the good news. It's never too late to break free. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us slash radio to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. And I think interestingly, um, what's come out a lot of the other conversations that I've been having is, is that if you can set it up then, 
even if they come away from it. So I look back and think that's what my grandparents did for me. Yes. You know, you come away from it, but then you'll go back. So actually for people at home, you know, it doesn't matter if they disengage at some point, yeah. you'll have set something for them then to come back to later on in life. Absolutely, absolutely, 100%, yeah. 100%. And I just think sometimes I've seen how some school gardens can be just overmanaged by the school there's too yeah. much adult I interference and yeah. i do use that word interference it's like you know this is a school which means children are perfectly allowed to make mistakes yeah. and i think it's very important that we're not trying to make these pristine straight line gardens i think this is a practice garden yeah. for young people it's very important for them to get things wrong to make mistakes and i also think it's important for plants somehow to not be successful at growing things because it's a talking point for children, isn't it? Yes, of course, you know, it would be awful and quite embarrassing if everything died at the allotment. You know, think, oh, you know, won't that, that is a bad experience. But I think it's very important that children are exposed to things that don't go quite right, I think. And, you know, you know, bottom end rot in tomato plants, for I, example, I just think, you know, that's a talking point for yeah. a child to say, why, why is that forming at the bottom of a tomato? Thing, things like that. And I, I think you're totally right, because I think, you know, we've, in a sense, we create a world that, you know, that visually for them, most of the time they're on social media. It's, yep. it's, a, it's a visual world that everything's perfect. Yep. Whereas actually a garden space, yeah. it's, it's not perfect yep. and it teaches you patience and exactly. it teaches you that there's a cycle of life in exactly. everything. So there's so many. Yep. So we've got a youngster. He comes, he digs his first potatoes up, takes them home. You know, how do you think that you've affected even the way I suppose kids are viewing their food and starting to eat? Do you think... Gardening can help do that as well? Definitely. Yeah. I think what amazes me from when we do encourage children to take some of the produce home that they yeah. grow, particularly for the city schools, you yeah. know, in Norwich, yeah. we actively encourage the children to take like a veg pack home, a collection of things that they have grown. And the feedback that we get is like, it tasted amazing, absolutely amazing. And I think that's also how you can engage children. And it, as I said, it comes back to that good experience. You know, like yeah. those tomatoes were fantastic. And the carrots were like delicious. And I just think that's how children will remember that that different experience of eating something which has come straight from the ground and not arrived in a supermarket. And one of the things we also do as a charity is we're trying to certainly make children more mindful of what yeah. takes place when things are growing. And we often ask children to judge their pre-understanding, you know, where, where does our food come from? And the children often say, well, the fridge. You know, they yeah. often say from the fridge, which, which is technically correct, I guess. So, you know, I'm going to really embarrass, and you wouldn't think this would happen in my house, all right? My daughter at one point went to the fridge and got some strawberries out that had come from the supermarket. I said, as dad, wash those. You don't know where they come from. Of course I know where they come from. I meant, you know, which country, what had been sprayed on them, obviously, blah, 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 blah. Then preserved, delivered the supermarket name to me and I go, oh, my. And that's me. Yeah. And that's what I'm dealing with as a parent. Yeah. So you just, um, there is this, this disconnect, isn't there? You know? There is. And, yeah, it's, I've certainly, I mean, that's one of the reasons I, decided to get into what I'm doing now yeah. is because 
I mean, it's enormous privilege to work with other people's children and you spot these things when you're teaching them and very, very worried that children will grow up with that disconnect and not understanding through no fault of their own the bigger picture, yeah. uh, the carbon footprint that comes with our produce. And I know that's certainly what we're also trying to advocate as a charity to schools is let's give young people an opportunity to see how it can be successful and also the benefits of growing things which don't need to travel very far. Many of our projects, Adam, would use the produce that they grow to use in the school kitchen. Yeah. Some of the schools in the urban areas would actually use that in their catering lessons. So there's a fantastic uh, school right next to uh, the University of East Anglia City Academy, Norwich, that their catering teacher is fantastic. And he actually brings his class out to the allotment and they handpick things and then take it back into the kitchen and then they prepare it. So which is which is absolutely what the idea is all about. And I just think for us, what we're trying to do in schools is introduce children to the idea that this has really got to be part of the solution for a better future. If we can all grow food like this in a local way, which doesn't mean it has to travel hundreds, thousands of miles to get to our plate, that's part of, a, that's a contribution to a better, greener future. Yeah, so in a way you're setting up you know, young people with, you know, geography is now a lot more important. They understand yep. about food miles. Absolutely. They understand. So actually, yep. you're not just talking to them as a geography teacher. You yep. can then show them, look, this has only travelled this. This has travelled this. This has used up this. Yep. This hasn't used anything. Exactly, exactly. And, yeah. and also, I'm certainly aware of, you know, something what I guess you would coin like a bit of eco-anxiety. Yep. I mean, children, young people, they're not clean slates. They are very aware yeah. of the world that they live in. Yeah. But I sometimes think that they are a bit anxious about, but what can I do? What can I yeah. do? And, you know, young people might think, I'd like to be vegetarian, I'm going to cycle. But one of the ways is, right, let's introduce children to the idea that we can help the planet by being more mindful of where our food has come from and yeah. where it is grown. So I think a lot of what we're trying to do, again, it comes back to making young people feel more confident about themselves. And if they think, do you know what, Matt showed me how to grow potatoes and I was, you know, I planted the potato and it popped up, you know, in June time. And that young person will now grow up thinking, I know how to grow potatoes. And I think we must never forget how important that impact must make on on a young person's awesome. life you yeah. know it's not about making them a master gardener but what is important is they have a good opportunity a positive experience thinking yeah matt showed me how to grow potatoes and that is the beginning of something when they reach adulthood that's something that is a starting block for yeah. maybe having their own allotment that's certainly happened with me yeah yeah and you're right because i i can vividly remember my granddad following him along a lot, him making the holes for the leeks and me dropping them in. And then I can remember digging the potatoes, um, him and I growing growing marrows, me planting them out. I've got really vivid yeah. memories and I'm sure that played a part in what I went on to do, you know. 100% and very much the same with me and my, my grandfather. I mean, yeah. you know, when I was young, I sort of, you know, endlessly 
playing with toy cars in the garden. Mm. This is certainly before the, the introduction of mobile phones and yeah. the internet. And, you know, my granddad always kind of said, oh, Matthew, you know, do you want to pick some apples with me or do you want to pick some strawberries with me? And obviously, as a young person, you think, oh, yeah, go on, granddad, I'll go and do that. Yeah. I quite want to play with my toy cars, but, yeah, if, if you want to. And then you're yeah. like, actually, I'm really pleased I went with my granddad because those strawberries are amazing. Yeah. And I guess for me as an adult, having had that good experience um certainly wouldn't have led me to what i'm doing now yeah. and again i you know i hope sort of communicating across this i just think the most important thing any adult working with young people you've got to think that you have whatever you do it's got to be a good experience yeah. it can't be a negative one it's got to be something which a young person thinks do you know what i feel really good about myself that i yeah. did that i built that raised bed i grew some carrots and you know that is something that I experienced as a child growing up. I, I went to a state school in Sussex, which was very unusual. It had a working farm attached to it and like a market garden area as well. Yeah. So that was part of my experience at school. Um, and I mentioned earlier when we started talking, my first real experience of growing food, I guess you would say semi-seriously, was when I applied to have an allotment in Norwich. Yeah. And again, bearing in mind that I came into this with not very much understanding, you know, a basic understanding yeah. of how you grow food. But I learned most, to be honest, Adam, from the people who were at the allotment with me, you know, yeah. my my neighbour plot, you know, allotment here. And because they were very kind to me and they understood that I was very new yeah. to what I was doing, but they weren't at all patronising. They're like, oh, yeah, oh, Matt, oh God, your leeks are looking awful this year. I just thought you should know. It's like, yeah, oh, great, yeah. thanks. Yeah, you know, it's quite hard work, so I think I'm going to give up, actually. But actually, you know, there was a gentleman there who must have been at least 300 years old. Yeah. And he, <laughs> and he, and he, and I thought, all right, this gentleman's going to come over and he's going to patronise me. He's going to say, oh, you yeah. know, I've been growing rhubarb before you were born. I'm like, well, thanks. I don't really want to hear that. What I'd like to hear is, am I doing all right? Yeah. And also... Do you, have you, do you, have you got any tips with how I can make it better? So I guess what I'm trying to say is that, again, I was very fortunate to have another good experience at my allotment in Norwich yeah. just on the eve of becoming a teacher. So actually, in, in a sense, what you're saying is, is for us to encourage, you know, the youngsters to come out, it, it needs to feel, it, I know it needs to feel positive, but it needs to feel, I suppose, point one, that they're part of it, you know, it's ownership. It's not just a job. It's not just something they're being told to do. But actually, they then benefit from the outcome. And i.e., food's a great way because yep. we eat it. Yep. And interesting, and you start thinking about that, how do you think, I suppose, that the kids that you've started working with, has it sort of benefited them health-wise? I suppose physically first and then... And then also, you know, the mental side of things that we talk about a lot now. Yeah, absolutely. I think certainly physically, I think, you know, we all know that doing physical exercise is very good with our mental well-being and, you know, that's certainly connected. I think young people, when they're working at allotment, they do appreciate that, you know, it can be quite hard work, yeah. <laughs> you know, growing food. So, yeah, I think... I th I think when they've kind of built something big, like a raised bed, yeah. I remember, you know, no, don't chat about it in a moment, but I remember distinctively working at a pupil referral unit and uh, these young lads, I came on with my trailer and some manure and uh, and you could tell they absolutely loved shoveling that off as quick as they possibly could. Yeah. And there's something about, you know, 
burning off sort of like negative energy a bit because yeah. these young people are just cross, you know, yeah. really cross, really angry. And actually, you know, they really enjoy just working really hard. And particularly if, you know, you're respectful to young people, they enjoy working hard with you. They kind of like respect you. Yeah. I, I can remember having a, a group of youngsters, this is part of this, kids in Manchester, and we had to clear these area of brambles, you know. It was like Tasmanian devils. Wow. Once they were given literally scythes, <laughs> yeah. which was slightly scary yeah, to start yeah, with, yeah, yeah. these kids just went through it. And you made me laugh when you, yeah. each time you mentioned the raised bed. Yeah. I've got this story. We we did a design thing with these kids and, and one of the kids went off and, and built a raised bed, you know, yeah. and yeah. come back in and said, like, Adam, Adam, I, I built a raised bed. And anyway, further we got in this conversation, I'm thinking these kids haven't got money and he's telling yeah. me he's got it in breeze blocks and he's done this and he's yeah. done that. Yeah. And actually slowly as the conversation went on, yeah. his mates are laughing. He's obviously acquired all the breeze blocks, <laughs> the sand and the cement. Well, and I'm thinking, do well, I, where, where do I go with this? Yeah. Where do I go? Yeah. And I've just yeah. went down the road where, I don't yeah. know, he was he was doing something positive yeah. even if yeah. he was doing yeah. something negative yeah. to get the positive, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and that for me became quite a, special memory yeah. in a way oh, yeah. but yeah. I think it'll be a special memory for that kid when he's older absolutely and I think a lot of what we also do is you know encourage children and young people to use like tools yeah. which you know if you're over the top with health and safety obviously yeah. you've got to be incredibly mindful of that but yeah. you know I think you know some young people have encouraged to use a power drill you know yeah. to drill into a bed I mean yes you've got to be sensible that they don't accidentally go round with the drill you know yeah. if they yeah. don't but I think if you show children look this is this is potentially a dangerous thing but I'm trusting you to use it yeah. then you know then they're, they're, they're sensible they really do yeah. use that and I think if you then empower that young person to another good example Adam is what we're using a mattock yeah. uh, you know like the old fashioned way of like clearing the earth yeah. um, and you know the the sense of achievement that a young person gets from like doing something like yeah. that um, it's just enormous and they take a look back at the, what they achieved physically and think yeah. do you know what I'm really proud of myself yeah. I did that because you said about the referral unit and you know, it's quite a lot of the kids, obviously some of the kids that you work with are behavioural sort of difficulties. Yeah. And well. What change have you seen in, in behaviour, in, you know, from a youngster that you've taken on that, you said, probably quite angry, quite yeah. aggressive, in a weird way, the world that we live in, semi being signed off by society mm. as he's mm. already failed and he's not even left school yet. Yeah. I mean, what have you seen behaviour change the patterns in in those youngsters? So I think... As I said a moment ago, I think it, it, it's a privilege to work with anybody's, all yeah, children. Yeah. It really is. I find, Adam, that the work of our charity, working with children in a garden, has the quickest impact. You can see far more quickly how children engage with something outside of the classroom. I think they often engage well with us as a charity because we're not their teacher, we're not their parent, and in yeah. some cases we're not their police officer. And yeah. once they sort of suss you out that, oh, you, Matt, you, you, you don't actually have to be here, you've kind of volunteered to be yeah. here, then that adds to the good experience yeah. as well. So, yeah, I just think they they respond incredibly well to doing something physical. In yeah. fact, they're, they're desperate for it. They really are. And I think hopefully we will have done some good that they just become a little bit more tolerant of their indoor classroom yeah. stuff. And, you know, it's very important that children are prepared for their tests and exams of all ages and abilities. But I think certainly what I've seen, not just at pupil referral units, just very challenging children across the board, is mm -hmm. that by introducing 
young people to gardening by giving them an opportunity to garden helps them blow off steam, helps them be celebrated in a positive way outside of their indoor classroom, which is something they just don't like. And I've certainly seen young people go back after the lunchtime session becoming a lot more tolerant of their teachers and their learning. And I've certainly had some feedback from some teachers that, you know, uh, little Jimmy, who, by the way, you know, is a fictitious person, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, he will become a lot more tolerant because he's been celebrated in a way that is better for him. I'll tell you what, from now on, mate, you can you can use little Adam okay. and, we, and he won't have to be totally, yeah. you know, yeah. he won't have to totally pretend. Yeah, thank you. Because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I definitely was, I suppose, I was that person, hmm. you know, and I think I think the bit now that, that I that's changed so massively is actually for me I think which is even more difficult for youngsters now is that for me there wasn't all the other pools of interest you know from a phone to the internet to this to that so how how have you sort of found that I know as a school some ways you can take it away from them but you know how have you what's your take on coming away from electrical devices and engaging with nature so I think in some cases what helps us actually is that there's no uh, internet or mobile signal at some of these allotments actually, yeah. which sometimes helps. I think that by bringing children to allotment or a garden at a school, because it's straight away a physical thing they've got to engage with, um, I think it's something that they simply have to put their phones away. Mm. And I just think it's... And that's very important. And actually, I think until they are given that opportunity, they realise how much happier they feel having a little bit of break from Mm. their mobile phone and the internet. Um, Although, to be honest, sometimes using social media to celebrate what young people do. Yeah, get that. Uh, And I remember there was one young lady who was just really finding school incredibly difficult and she was just a very, very talented photographer. So we encouraged her to be the school garden's chief photographer. Yeah. We gave her that title, quite rightly deserved. And this young lady just absolutely relished in knowing that the photograph she was taking of this project would be used by the school to yeah. promote the project. So I think there are some really good things that can be drawn from you know mobile phones and yeah. social media, but I think like with all things in life, it's all about a balance. And I am concerned what we were talking about earlier about children disconnecting that, you know, there's far too much time young people use on 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 their phones. phones and yeah. I just think it's not until you give them an opportunity. But I like the way that you're talking about it instead of, you know, the kid feeling like they've been deprived in a way. It's convincing that we actually we're providing you with an opportunity to have a break from it and engage with something yeah. else without worrying about whatever that is going on over there. Just yeah. be in the room and be here. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you're shoveling manure off a trailer or, yeah. you know, putting a poly tunnel up with some sixth forms, you can't really have your phone physically to do no, that. It's no, like, no, no. Oh, look, I'm going to put it down now because yeah. I actually have to use both my hands. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think school gardening, by its very nature encourages children to think right i've got to put my phone away because i've got to think physically about what i'm doing so yeah so let's try and sort of guide this towards you know people people at home whether it's a grandparent you know a parent you know we want to engage the kids in in the space outside the back door 
Um, you're doing it on a, you know, on a, on a, in a group way, and I know do individuals as well. But, but how would we advise, you know, mum, dad, nan, granddad, just to get, you know, little Adam, as we're now going to call Adam, him, little Adam, how are we going to yeah. get little Adam outside in the garden and away from, you know, the PlayStation or, yeah. you know, the phone or whatever it might be that's holding their attention. So I think you've got to aim for a good experience. And yeah. whatever you're going to do, you've got to be mindful that that is the number one thing to get right. And then there are so many different ways to do that. And certainly what I would recommend is just keeping things simple, yeah. um, you know, often using upcycled materials, old bits of pallet wood. You, yeah. My goodness, you really don't have to spend a lot of money to create a little raised bed. Um, you could try growing something out of something really interesting, like yeah. a former sink, even a toilet, something like yeah. that. So I think when you're first doing it with young people, I think it's got to be basic and simple. You can't overcomplicate it. And if you overcomplicate it, then I think the children will be put off. Yeah. Um, so I think that's very important. I also think about the way that you're working with a child is also very important. Yeah. The way you talk to them and encourage them and being mindful that, you know, if you do all the building of the bed yourself, then they'll kind of think, well, you know, I, what did I do? And I'm yeah. not, I've been put off because, you know, my mum and dad did it or my grandpa did it. And actually, you know, my grandparents took over, took the took the screwdriver from me and, you know, I felt, oh, you know, I, oh, I can't do yeah. it. So I think you've got to be open to the fact that, you know, the raised bed might be a little bit wonky. Yeah. But at that level, as the first introduction for that child, in many cases, it really is the first introduction yeah. to growing food. You've got to be mindful that it's perfectly okay for it to be a bit wonky. Yeah. It's perfectly okay for the leaks not to be the most prize-winning leaks of England that yeah. year. So I think to be mindful of the big picture as well, that like I shared with you at the beginning when we were chatting, like, you know, I've been so lucky to have a collection of really good experiences yeah. that have ultimately led me to what I'm doing yeah. now. So I think it's not about making it pristine and perfect that may come later with experience, as yeah. most things well, do, yeah. you know. But I think it's very important to think, right, th this is a children's garden. Yeah. And you have got to be very open to the idea that it might not be amazing, but they'll get there. Yeah. And celebrate them as much yeah, as you can. Yeah, yeah. Celebrate them for what they're doing. And then they'll be, certainly from what I've experienced with schools, you know, how do you get the children to come back? They're not going to come back if you think, Actually, you know, I think I'll give that raised bed three out of ten. It's like, oh, great, you know, yeah. I won't bother with that. But if you say, little Adam, thank you so much for coming today. Yeah. It's a pleasure working with you. I really enjoyed uh, working with you. And also I've certainly found if it helps to share that, you know, if you ask questions of what children think, if you invite them into the yeah. project, I can remember many times, Adam, thinking, right, let's just think, what, what do the young people really think? So a lot of what I do is, you know, going into school and discussing with the young people, what should we build there? You know, shall we build that there? Where should we put the polytunnels? So rather than, right, okay, young people, follow me, follow me, what I'm doing. If you ask questions, that engages the young yeah. people more and they think, oh, wow, Matt's actually asked me what, what, what I think. I think what yeah. I think. And they'll think, all right, well, I feel a bit empowered by that. Yeah. So I think that's all part of, ultimately, as I, as I mentioned quite a few times, it's, it's that good that good experience. So actually, do you know what? If you're a, if you're a parent and you're, uh, you know, grandparents, whatever, you're gardening at home, and um, that input, kids' point of view on what we're putting together, how we're designing it, what we're growing, how we're growing, 
just at conversation to start with mm -hmm. they feel part of that conversation could well engage them just in absolutely yeah. and i think it's important to also with the growing side to grow things that are really quite easy you know, yeah. potatoes spinach radishes yeah, things yeah, like yeah. anything yeah. you know just for the children to see wow that little thing i planted turned into something and again it doesn't matter really what it is you know but i just think for children like we were talking about earlier like with the whole potato yeah, thing yeah, you yeah. know that is the most amazing thing to grow yeah. because children put it in it grows this i think quite a, a beautiful plant and yeah. often with a beautiful flower yeah and particularly if they're seeing that on a daily basis when they finally pull up those golden nuggets it's amazing yeah. and yeah, that's taken a while to get to that good experience, but my goodness, it's it's well worth it. Mind you, that's taught some patience along the way as well, mate. 100%. <laughs> and in fact, you know, again, working as a teacher, you, and you, we mentioned mobile phones earlier, that we live in this world that it's just instantaneous. We seem yeah. to get it when we want. And being sort of born in the late 80s, I sort of, you know, was without mobile phones and yeah. the internet and things like that. And I can certainly remember just being really happy playing in the garden yeah. and waiting for things to happen. And although there are some good things about social media yeah. and phones and things like that, but I just think when young people, they just expect things to happen very, yeah. very, very quickly. And I yeah. think gardens, as we know perfectly well, don't work like that. So yeah. as you said, Adam, it teaches them patience, which is yeah. extremely important. And also I think... Nature is very, very successful at what it does. It's had yeah. millions of years to get it right. And I just think, you know, young people need to see that, you know, yeah. how successful plants can be. That resilience as well. Absol is, absolutely, yeah. very much so. And yeah. I just think that's that's the most important thing to help them understand it's such a privilege to have things when we want. And I think we're certainly living in an age where, you know, food security is certainly a very important thing to talk about. And I think, you know, there are some deep concerns that, you know, people are not going to have enough food to feed themselves. So I think certainly what we're trying to do in schools is give them a, an introduction to this is how it can, be, can done. be done. And, and you know, as I mentioned, I came to this with a basic understanding, you know, and it's really not that hard to do it. I really don't think it's hard. And do you know what, mate? I think that last little sentence was a perfect summary. And because I always say it's not that hard. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But yeah. The, the way you've described it for me, absolutely fascinating, not only you know, the part of how we engage the kids, but what they can get out of it on a personal level. Um, brilliant. Honestly, yeah. absolutely brilliant. Anybody at home, I'm sure, just it's enough there to to think about. And, um, you know, whether we're parents, you know, whether we're teachers, grandparents, we can all probably improve the way we go around things a little bit. I know I can for yeah. definite. I yeah. think out of the day, I've got that. It's just adds, you know, there's times when you can just step back a little bit more yes. than I do. Exactly. Yeah. So thanks so. for that, mate. It's a pleasure, Adam. Brilliant. Thank you for the opportunity. Cheers, pal. Well, that one did set my brain ticking. And it was a wonderful reminder for me as to how important that time, early doors in my life, I suppose, tidy nan and granddad teaching me about growing my own food, whereas actually scruffy nan and grandpa gave me that freedom to go and explore. And wow. And, and that, I suppose, has come back to me later in life. And 
been partly my moral compass, I suppose, as to why I feel gardens are safe places, places that you can experiment, you can be yourself. Interesting, isn't it? Um, and obviously, you know what I'm going to say now? I went back to Matt to see what we could do, just three simple things to have our kids being healthier. But for me, when I'm talking about kids being healthy, I'm not just talking about physical health. You know, we're now in a place where, what, half of our young people, teenagers, are, are struggling with with anxiety, which seems mad. But we know the garden, green space, connection with nature can play its part in that. So for me, when I said to Matt, what are the things we can do? I had that very much in mind. First thing he said was make sure it's a good experience. And he's right, because I can remember talking, well, working with a load of youngsters up north, a load of naughty young boys, and they were proper naughty young boys. And first of all, when I went in there, I suppose I was the adult, they were the kids, you know, I was the knowledge, you know, and they didn't have that knowledge. And I think I set off trying to teach them and I realised very quickly that they didn't engage with me. So I started to rethink that and started to talk to them as a gardener, you know, and making sure that they knew they were in a safe environment, they knew they could experiment and how important those experiments, making the memories, chatting to your mates while you're doing that can really, really work. And you hope that you lay those foundations for those youngsters and then later on in life, it might come back. It might be handy for them. I always say about my own kids, all I really want is that they know enough about gardening that at some point in their life, it becomes part of their life. So what I mean by that is when they maybe eventually get their own places or a little plot of their own, they want to engage with it. The other thing that Matt said was don't overcomplicate things. And I think this is brilliant. I mean, we have a tendency as gardeners to create our own little fear factor. You know, people pick a book up and you read something that's got to be pruned on the third Tuesday in March, you know, or the whole world comes to end. Well, that's a load of old claptrap, you know. But actually, if we simplify things and in a garden, you can start to explain the bigger picture. And I suppose what I mean by that is that what goes on outside our back door, you understand that, you understand the environment. And a lot of our youngsters, that is an important part of their lives. And I think if we don't overcomplicate and we guide people, that's another great way of helping young people and then the last one be positive and celebrate and it's interesting because I think in a way what Matt's telling me in my head was a little bit like the first one you know creating a good experience but then when you think about it that celebration of maybe growing potatoes maybe sowing some carrots doesn't have to be perfect but maybe that celebration is digging those potatoes, lifting those carrots, and then taking those full circle to dishing them up in a dinner. And I think with my lot at home, 
That's definitely worked. They've engaged with their food a lot more as I've taught them to grow it. I say my kids are kids, you know, they're not all 100% into it. But interestingly, most of them will come out and get stuck in, in the veg garden. So there we go. Yeah, good experience. Don't overcomplicate things and be positive and celebrate food that we grow ourselves and get the young people involved. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. And we'll see you next time.